0: Well, how's everybody doing today? Good, yeah. Praise Jesus, we're here. Praise Jesus, we can come together and hear God's word. Um, And as I began to process for this week, that was supposed to be three weeks ago, it was, uh, and then it got postponed. It was all right because this message that I'm bringing you today, it took time for me to process. It's, uh, it's something I process first. It's something that God put on my heart. It's something that I wanted to share and that I have shared um, with others individually, but something that I wanted to bring to you. So having that extra time actually was beneficial because God continued to work and grow me in this message and walking in forgiveness. Um, and part of that was reflecting on this past year. The past year since my family has been here and what we've noticed, what we've seen, and we've been in transition I think we can all agree we've been in transition. Um, We're transitioning from when you first decided that you're going to step into a discipleship lifestyle church. We're going to make that our lifestyle, walking with people, doing life together with people, sharing the gospel message uh, with the people of this community and sharpening one another. However, the transition hasn't been easy. It's been difficult. And in the past year, uh, many of us have been hurt and wounded, um, both inside and outside the church friends, neighbors, family, someone has hurt or wounded you. What happens when we become hurt or wounded, though, is we begin to hold grudges. We have bitterness, anger, malice, uh, begins to grow in our hearts. We sneer and snicker and act rudely towards that person or persons. And though we don't often realize what harboring these feelings actually does is it affects us greater than that person. We carry them around like a yoke on our shoulders, and it weighs us down. It's bondage of unforgiveness. But on the flip side, the freedom is when we do forgive and giving it over to Christ. So this past week, I had the opportunity to meet with the elders, and we got to walk through what it looks like to walk in forgiveness. We had a chance to process walking in forgiveness, and I want you to know that because your elders desire to lead well. We desire to lead by modeling. We desire to continue to push forward and grow into this discipleship Like church, discipleship, multiplying church. And it starts with us, it starts with all of us. But we have to model that. And in turn, we have to model it to the community, just as Christ modeled it for us. And so today, I want us to walk through what it means to walk in forgiveness. So let's just open up with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to come down. Father in heaven, This is your word. This is your truth. And Lord, as I'm reminded of your scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, where it talks about not my speech, not my message, Lord, but the demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Lord, and it's your spirit that gives us the strength. We ask that right now that you would Clear us of distraction. Clear our minds from anything that would take away from focusing on you and your word and your truth. Do this now, Lord. Prepare our hearts for your word and the word that you put on my heart to share with my family here. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, I'll encourage you to take your Bibles since I'm a little old school. I don't have the screen up. And turn to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 21. We're going to read about the unforgiving servant. Give you a second here. Okay. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. So let's go back over this and just break it down a little bit. First you have the master who's looking to settle accounts. The First servant comes up, owes him 10,000 talents. Does anybody have any idea other than Brad what 10,000 talents would be nowadays? Just a shot in the air. Anybody? $4.5 billion. 10,000 talents. $4.5 billion. So that gives you perspective. This guy owed another man $4.5 billion. That's a lot of money. Okay? But he couldn't pay him. And since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had so payment could be made. But that servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. (laughs) I kind of chuckle at that. Don't worry, I don't got the money now, but I'm going to get it. (laughs) Okay. Hey, but no, as this man was on his knees saying, please, I'll pay you, please. Don't sell my wife. Don't sell my children. Don't sell me. Don't sell my stuff. I will get you the money. He had pity for him. He, f- he had pity for this man and released him and forgave him all that debt. If anybody here had $4.5 billion, would you like it to be forgiven for free? I would. That's a lot of money. Okay, but it continues. That same servant who was just forgiven $4.5 billion goes and finds his fellow servant. But let's read what it says and let it sink in. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Anybody know what 100 denarii is worth? $4,000. Okay, $4,000. So he owed him $4,000, 100 denarii. But this is the part that gets me, and seizing him. There was no conversation like, hey, man, you remember that money you owe me? That four grand, think I can get that? No. He saw him walking down the street and he grabbed him. And then he didn't just grab him, he began to choke him. Just right out there in the middle of the public. Give me my money. And that same servant, or that second servant, walked the same path as his first. He fell to his knees and began to plead, please have patience with me. I will pay you the money. Give me time. But that first servant who was forgiven so much didn't have the same pity. And he threw that servant, his fellow servant, in jail till he could pay it off. But meanwhile, this, is, this altercation is taking place. His fellow servants, his peers, are going, Did you see what such and such did? He threw him in jail for $4,000 and he was just forgiven $4.5 billion? Dude, we got to go tell the master this. This ain't right. So they went and told the master. And the master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I've been called a lot of things in life, probably not true of me, but I wouldn't want to be called wicked. That's a harsh word. You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt. I forgave you $4.5 billion because you pleaded with me, simply because you pleaded with him. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. But 35's, well, really wraps it together. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And that's a lot of accountability, that's heavy. What's he going to do to us if we don't forgive him from our heart? He's going to punish us. Being thrown in jail is punishment. I don't like to be punished. I surely don't want to be thrown in jail until I can pay all my debt, $4.5 billion of it. But as we process the story, how does it compare? Who forgave all our debt? Who forgave all our sin? Christ. Christ forgave all our sin on the cross. He's also our model. So let's move forward from here for a minute. Let's go to 1 Peter 2:21 through 22. You can turn there if you'd like. So Christ is our model. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example He's our example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. If Christ is our example, and we see in the parable, the master forgiving, are we supposed to follow suit? Is that what we're called to do? Clearly, since it also confirms that in 35 my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart should not you have had mercy on your fellow servants to say, "If i had mercy on you christ is our example and he also examples it in matthew 6 9 through 15 the lord's prayer many of you know it i'm going to go through it our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then we tend to stop. But 14 and 15, again, where the key verses are in this right now. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's good to know. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So if we don't forgive, we're not going to be forgiven. That's hard. That's a, that's a hard one to swallow. As the parable talks about us needing to have the same mercy as our master had mercy on us. As Christ is our example, as he led that example, as countless times he was forgiving and still is. As we see here. What we also need to remember is that Christ forgiving us is also Christ forgiving them. He had mercy on them too. That person that wounded us, that hurt us. Does that mean we should probably do the same? Do we have any authority to not do the same? As we talk about unforgiveness, as we talk about the punishment side of it, as you talk about Christ leading our example and being our example, let's turn to Colossians 3. Again, it reiterates. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your, life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Punishment for our human nature, for our earthly desires. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away the anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. But then we put on the new self, put on then as God's chosen chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Old self, putting on the new self. What is earthly in us? What is earthly in us? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, malice. Wrath, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, unforgiveness. If Christ commanded us to do something and we don't do it, is that a sin? If It's not walking in light of what he has commanded us to do. It's going against him. There's no middle ground. That's the earthly side of us not desiring to forgive. But as we put on our new selves, as we come into a relationship with Christ, as we understand that we desire to walk with him, he tells us God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint, this is my favorite part, second favorite part, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Twice in 15 words, he tells us to forgive. Twice. Do you think he means it? If I told you something twice in the matter of two seconds, do you think I meant it? Do you think my kids understand that? Clean up your room. Clean up your room. They don't get it. Twice he told us to forgive. But 14 really is. What brings it together, and what I truly love about this, and above all these, so above everything he just listed there, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, what is love? Let's turn to First Corinthians four eight. First Corinthians thirteen four eight. I apologize. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Would your own way be your earthly way? In the decisions that all decide. On my timing. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, and love never ends. Who loved us? Who, who continues to love us? Who said that? Thank you. Jesus. What did he do on that cross as we come into the that season? What does that cross mean? what does it represent yeah from what huh freedom from sin forgiveness well he was forgiving us because he because he loved us first peter 4 8 above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins I'm pretty sure when he died on that cross, he covered all our sins, the ones we haven't committed yet. Yeah, thank you, Jesus is right. Because surely I'm going to commit another sin in my life, unfortunately, as we all are, as those who have hurt and wounded us have and will too. But what does love look like? Love is forgiving. Love isn't looking at the hurt or the wound Love is looking at Christ and going, He did it for me. He did it for them. I need to do the same as I'm called and commanded to. As He's clearly stated, forgive one another or I won't forgive you. I haven't really gone down that road, but that makes me nervous. If I don't forgive somebody, where does that leave me hanging? That's dangerous. If we're called to do something, we should probably do it. Walking in forgiveness, loving each other the same way Christ loves us. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love covers a multitude of sins. Any hurt you've experienced, any wounds, they can be forgiven. When you came in this morning, you had a piece of paper and a pen on your chair. Everybody should have one. I put them out this morning. And we have a choice to make. That's right, David. We have a choice to make. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness isn't earned. It's not about trust. It's about consciously forgiving somebody. And so, what I want to do, what I put these out here for, is for us to go back to God's Word and read Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Listen now. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. See if there is any unforgiveness in me, and lead me to forgiveness. To heart-changing, loving forgiveness. Whatever that is. When he talks about it in Matthew 18, 70 times 7, that's 490 times. anybody recall when they've forgiven someone 490 times? Right. But we're supposed to. And even then, it's just a number. We're supposed to always forgive. So what I want to do is give you a few minutes. Open up Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me away everlasting. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your unforgiveness right now. Write it down on that paper. In a few minutes, we'll collect it. We're going to put it at the foot of the cross. This isn't going to be read. This isn't going to be announced. It's between you and God, but we're writing them down. We're acknowledging them. We're saying, Lord, I don't want this yoke. I don't want this weight on my shoulders. I don't want to carry this around because it affects you. It doesn't affect that other person, especially if you haven't told them or if they even acknowledge it, but it affects you. You carry that burden. Stop carrying the burden of unforgiveness. Forgive that person. Focus on Christ. He forgave that person. We're to forgive those people, whoever it is, at any point in life always so spend a couple minutes now write down the unforgiveness as the ushers come around and collect them we're going to bring them up we're going to put them at the cross say Lord Jesus I don't want to walk in this unforgiveness I want this weight off my shoulders whose yoke is easy Christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light. Stop carrying around that unforgiveness. Let's put our focus on Jesus and not our hurts, not our wounds. Who's the one that brings healing? Jesus is. And as you sit there, as you pass them in, as you begin to think and reflect on that, prepare your heart for the table. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Again, because in Corinthians it says, Whoever therefore eats of the, the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let the person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself, what do you need? to go to God to right now. What needs to be revealed to you? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to seek God in? This moment, prepare your hearts before we take the bread, the body, and the blood. Before we go and remember before him and thank him for the sacrifice he made because he loved us. Because he forgave us. He forgave us on that cross.